Welcome to Healing the Grieving Heart with host mother-daughter team Dr. Gloria Call Horsley, marriage and family therapist, and Dr. Heidi Horsley, both experts in the area of grief and loss. Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi dedicate this show to their deceased son and sibling, Scott, and to all of the parents and other family members who have lost loved ones before their time. Each week, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi and their guests will share stories of loss, hope, and renewal. Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Each week, Heidi and I welcome you to Healing the Grieving Heart, a show of hope and conversation with those who suffered the loss of a loved one and for mental health professionals who work in this most difficult field. As always, the message is, others have been there before you and made it. You do not walk alone. If you're listening to our uh, Thursday show, it is pre-recorded this week, so you won't be able to call in. But if you would like to go to the blog, thegriefblog.com, you can leave us messages, you can leave us information. We've got a place for uh, recipes, stories, whatever you'd like to put on our blog. And remember that all of our shows can be downloaded on iTunes, and transcripts can be accessed through thegriefblog.com. Well, Heidi, uh, good morning. Good morning, Mom. How are things going there in New York? They're they're going well. Good. We have a good. guest. Pardon? I said everything's good. We have a guest today who's from the south. We always like to have those southerners. And uh, Polly Moore is going to be our guest, and Heidi's going to introduce her for a minute. But one of the things that I want to say is Polly's on the board of the National Board of the Compassionate Friends with me. So uh, she's a really strong person and has a wonderful message and good information for us. So would you like to introduce her, Heidi? Sure, I'd love to. Um, our topic today is thoughts on being a bereaved parent and grandparent, and our guest is Polly Moore. Seventeen years ago, Polly's nine-year-old daughter, Lauren, died after stepping in front of a vehicle while waiting for the school bus. She found help and support from the compassionate friends. Over the years, she has strived to give back to this wonderful organization by serving as chapter leader, outreach coordinator, regional coordinator, national conference committee member, and as a director on the national board. In March 2006, Polly's grandson, Samuel, died from numerous anomalies one day after his premature birth. Welcome to the show, Polly. Thanks, Heidi. Hi, Polly. Now, tell everybody where you're from, because they're going to know from that southern accent. Oh, <laughs> I love that, that obvious. Well, uh, I am now a resident of Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, before that, Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, great. Very good. Now, you moved your daughter, uh, Lauren, and... Uh, Died uh, and you moved after that, right? Just uh, recently, or well, recently it, it's uh, been a little over a year that we moved, so it was roughly 16 years after Lauren died. Mm-hmm. Could you tell our audience a little bit about uh, Lauren and her death? Okay, uh, Lauren is our second child and only daughter. Uh, she was nine years old, and in May of 1990, uh, a typical morning. Um, piano practice, you know, breakfast, and um, was getting ready to leave for the school bus, and um, she turned around to me, and she says, I love you, Mom, and, and I said, I love you too, Lauren, I'll see you after school, and little did I realize as I watched my daughter walk down the driveway that those were going to be the last words we mm-hmm. would exchange. Uh, about 10 minutes later, there's a knock at the door, at the door and a little girl that also uh, rode the bus was standing there pointing to the road, and she says, Lauren's been hit. And um, from my front step, I could see Lauren on the side of the road. Um, As you can imagine, from then on, uh, it's just a blur. Um, Now, was there, Polly, was there um, 
uh, some liability connected with that? Or, you know, how did that go? Well, no, there wasn't. Um, this was just really um, one of those freak happenings. Um, the young man was 19 that was driving the car. Mm-hmm. He did not see Lauren, and evidently she did not see him. Um, and it just, you know, it's one of those things that if any one little element had been missing, the outcome would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, unfortunately, there was more than one victim that day. So the the other victim was was the boy that that hit her, right? Yes, because um, he was just beside himself. I mean, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine. Um, And so, you know, this is something not only have we had to live with the loss of Lauren, um, this young man has had to go through the last 17 years um, knowing that, um, you know, what happened that day, even though, you know, he wasn't speeding or any of those things, it just happened, um, that's still something that's hard to live with. So now, you have a lot of compassion yeah. for him. Which yeah. I, w- I wonder, did you feel that way initially, and did you get to know him, or how did it uh, go? We um, did not know him personally. We did know some of his relatives. And, um, you know, to tell you the truth, Gloria and, and Heidi, we never had any malice against this young man, and um, people have been so surprised at that, and, you know, usually that would be your first reaction is to just lash out, and I can't tell you why. Um, It was just, it's just, it was, it's hard enough. It was hard enough then and still is to, you know, live without her, Mm -hmm. and I guess that, um, you know, that's where we poured all of our uh, energy and um, just that sorrow, Um, you know, did he approach you at all and say anything about it or um we did not he he had family come he did come to the hospital um but we were with Lauren she lived 15 hours in the intensive Oh she did. She never regained consciousness. Um and um she is an organ donor. Um mm-hmm. because all she suffered was a closed head wound. If mm-hmm. you looked at her it looked like maybe she had a couple scrapes on her uh like she'd fallen off her bicycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he did come to the hospital. We did not get to see him, but he did come, we were told, later. Mm-hmm. That's amazing in and of that, because if he had an attorney or anything, they'd be like, don't ever talk to the family, and which is kind of difficult sometimes. Sometimes, we, as you know, we have families who would like to have um, the person who was responsible for or you know was involved in the death of their child or loved one talk to them and the the attorneys won't let that happen and then in some cases there are people who totally deny it forever so you know that they had any um responsibility in the whole situation so it's a tough thing isn't it it is a tough thing and you know it wouldn't bring her back mm-hmm. i mean that's and that's you know that would be my deepest desire was to have her back and that was going to accomplish that mm-hmm. and it's wonderful that you didn't live in rage and anger and blame and we're able to say, look, this was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. Because a lot of times our guests, they live in a place of anger and rage for many years, and it starts really destroying their health and ruining their lives. Right. Yeah. I, I guess we just wanted to get on with, with grieving. I mean, that was the most important part. And we had two surviving children to think of. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the ripple effect of, of other family members. Mm-hmm. Now, how old were your other children? Uh, our oldest son was uh, 11, and our youngest son had just turned 5. Wow. So she was the middle of yes. the boys. Yes. 
And how how did you think it impacted them? And do you think and do you think it's had long term impact or at the time? Well, at the time, our oldest one would not talk about it. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, the next year when he was writing a paper in school about his family, he didn't mention her. Mm-hmm. The youngest one talked about her all the time. And I, I have each year in English or whatever class, you know, they had writing, um, he would write one story each year about when his sister died. And um, now the oldest one talks about her a lot. Uh, and and they both do. And what so are their names? Daryl is our oldest son, uh-huh. and Paul is our youngest son. And, Paul. and when Paul would talk about his sister in front of Daryl, how would Daryl respond? He he was just quiet. Yeah, I've he, seen it a lot in boys. You know, my mom and I have around eleven years old. You know, ten and eleven and twelve. They tend to be more quiet and not not as verbal sometimes after the death of a sibling. Right. You know, they're getting to those teenage years, mm-hmm. and that's already difficult. And with all the other changes that you're going through, and um, if he he would not, if we tried to initiate a conversation, um, he would cut it short pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about Paul because how did we found that the the five year old age they just kind of blurted out my sister died and whatever, and they say uh, things. Sometimes it's kind of hard to take. Did it surprise you sometimes? It would because um, he would just we'd be sitting together on the back. Uh, on the deck, and I remember one time I was crying, and he came up to me, and he says, Mom, why are you crying? I said, well, honey, I'm thinking about Lauren. I miss her. And he said, I miss her, too. And he uh, said, but, you know, she's all right. She's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, he he was just, he was very matter-of-fact. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, And he was the one uh, that uh, slept in her bed for quite a while after she died. That is wonderful. And now, when did he start doing that? Was it right after... She died? Pretty much uh, within a week or so. They were very close. And lots of times when uh, in the morning I'd find him in her bed. In the night he'd walk in and get into bed with her. Um, but when he finally one day decided, I guess he was done sleeping in her bed, he asked me, can I have her pillow? Uh-huh. So I said, sure. And um, he took that pillow to college with him. Oh, so incredible. <laughs> my gosh, what a heartbreaking story and a, and an, and a wonderful story, too. It really is. Well, they're great. They're great sons. They're great boys. How how great! Now, did he? Did Paul have any little toys or anything that stuffed animals, or it was the pillow that basically? It was the pillow yeah. that he did. Now they all did take, or they both took a picture of her, and um, even now they had it in their room. Uh, when they went off to college, they took it with them, and now, of course, our older son is married and has his own family. And he has that picture, and it's on display. It's incredible. Which gets, gets us to uh, a point um, of talking about the fact that you've had a child die and a grandchild. And mm-hmm. uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your grandson, Samuel. Well, uh, Samuel was born 10 weeks early. Um, we found out midway through the pregnancy at, during a routine ultrasound that there were a few things that were not right. Um, they found something strange with one of his kidneys. He had a curvature of the spine, um, and whereas those were concerns uh, at the first time, they said those weren't insurmountable. Surgery could be done on the spine. If he had one bad kidney, if he had good kidney, you know, people, you know, survive with one kidney. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seemed, though, each week when we went back and they watched him, um, they found a problem with his heart, and then there were some concerns about his brain. 
Mm-hmm. And um, this went on for 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, they were sent to pediatric cardiologists. They were sent to maternal fetal specialists. And um, each time, um, there was bad news. And um, at 30 weeks, at a at a at a uh, office visit, mm-hmm. um, they told them that they could they need do one of two things. Um, he was in dangerous condition. They could have him uh, C-section, emergency C-section, and get him here and see what they could do. He would be small, but they would, you know, be able to assess him better. Or they were afraid if they waited um, that he would be born still. So, uh, you know, that was the first very hard decision. Um, you know, 10 weeks, and he was small. He was only 2'4", mm-hmm. um, but perfectly formed. Uh, they did decide to go ahead and do the emergency C-section. Uh, and it was pretty clear from the very beginning that um, he he had some serious anomalies and um, started uh, having seizures right away. Um, and um, roughly the next day after uh, all the tests had been done, uh, the neonatologist told uh, Daryl and Diane that he would not survive either on life support or without. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, to go ahead and start preparing. Wow, incredible. Right. Well, well, Susan, I think, is joining us, right? And the grandmother on the other side, is that right? Um, actually, I'm not a grandmother. Um, oh. I, uh, I am um, a bereaved parent, okay. and um, I recognize that with some of our um, meetings and also with the candlelight, Ceremony with compassionate that, friends. With compassionate friends um, that we do at Christmas, there were many grandparents that were attending to in support of their children, and also because they had lost grandchildren. Right. And the compassionate friends has a credo for parents and for siblings. But we were putting together the program, and I thought, gee, we should really recognize the grandparents. I know that my dad was as just so grief-stricken as we were, and so was my mother-in-law, and I recognized that. So oh, what I great did was... thing for you to... Yeah, uh, and Polly actually read the credo to us, which was yeah. great at a board meeting. What a great thing for you to do, and also to know that um, extended family members are suffering along with you. Yes, well, it was, um, and especially at the candle lighting, we we look out and and see all those people together in families, and just know what they're missing. And and many grandparents come in the circle with their candles and light a candle for their grandchildren. So, right. it, now, now um, how long ago did your child die? Um, she died in 1995. She was 18. And, uh, and what was she, her name? Her name was Jessica. Jessica. Jessica Lynn. And, well, uh, what wonderful work you're doing, Susan, and thank you so much for calling in and also for being involved, you know, well, with thank your grandparents you. and, and, and keeping them. And it is so important to include the grandparents because it is so devastating when you outlive your grandchildren. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's very difficult and, uh, so thank you. Thank you Bye. for calling in. We thank appreciate you. it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jeannie, welcome to the show. Hi. Well, thanks a lot for calling in. Now, how do you connect with all this? Um, a year ago today, I lost my grandchild, and when oh. I called, 
compassionate friends to get information for my son and daughter-in-law. I was um, given a lady's name in Arkansas. I live in Indiana, uh-huh. who had just recently lost a child, and she belonged to comp- or a grandchild rather, and she belonged to compassionate friends. And so Polly called me, and we talked. This was before Jake passed away, um, and we talked for a while, and she was so encouraging. And then she called me again today because today is the day that Jake was born, oh, and she. Now, how long has it been? A year today. Oh, my goodness. And so Polly called me again, and then at the end of the conversation, she asked if I would be interested in calling in and answering some questions. So oh, here I am. That's wonderful. And tell us about um, your grandchild, right? Right. And um, what, his, what was your grandchild's name? Jake Porterfield. Uh, Jake. And, and how old was Jake? He was uh, 19 weeks. Uh, and but, he was born in Colorado, Fort Collins, Colorado, and both sets of grandparents were out there. We're from Indiana, and the other one's from Colorado Springs. And so after the uh, delivery, we were able to hold Jake and be with him and and collect very few memories, but he really, really has touched our lives. Uh, that's great, and people just don't realize how much those babies touch our lives, do they? No. In fact, you know, I never realized how much you love a baby without ever seeing it or hearing it or holding it. You just are so excited when your daughter-in-law or your daughter is pregnant that, you know, you're just so happy for them and so excited. But um, when we were able to see Jake and hold him, you, you don't realize how much love you have for that child without ever having seen him. And so he he has really touched our lives. Now, and how, of, how has that impacted you uh, with your uh, daughter or son it was a daughter or a son that it was uh, my son right um yeah. i think we became a lot closer i mean we were always close and we talked um for hours up to the time before we flew out there and then jake was born um it has really broadened our lives in a way that we were touched by people strangers you know, who showed us their kindness and their their giving and their understanding. And because of Jake, we now understand better. And, you know, um, life is just different. You appreciate and able things. to reach out and life becomes different, yes. It, sure. it really yeah. does. Well, how about your daughter-in-law? How are you? Uh, and do you have other, does she have other children? No, this was their first. Oh, wow. um, yeah. she, you know, they're both having a hard time. They're still going through the grieving. Uh, they... Um, they're thinking maybe about adopting. Uh, Jake passed away, like I said, at, at 19 weeks, um, and they had all kinds of testing and everything. He, he had chromosome 13 deficiency, and so they found out that it, it was nothing genetic. It was just one of those flukes of nature, and so they're leery about getting pregnant again. I know they want children, but they still have that fear, yeah. and so they're, they're talking different options at this point. Well, I adopted a year ago, and it's been a wonderful thing. Oh, good. <laughs> did you did you adopt here stateside, or did you I go? I adopted a little girl from China. Oh, how as wonderful. As soon as I saw her in Halter, I knew it was the daughter I was always meant to have. Oh, that's so. wonderful. And, and you know what? That's what, you know, I, I told Todd and Nikhil that if they decide not to have children, there are thousands and thousands of children all over that world that need to be loved. So, Absolutely. you know, any child is a gift from God in my eyes. So, you know, I think I, I just... I hope they do something. Whatever now, they Polly, do is we Do you want to them. log in on this? Do you have some thoughts uh, when um, Jeannie's talking about this? Well, I do. Uh, in, in our case, our son and daughter-in-law are pregnant again. Mm, um, they have a baby right. due in August. Wow. Um, and where there is a lot of excitement and joy, there is also that tempered 
kind of hesitation mm-hmm. um, because they are treating us again as a high-risk pregnancy, and we're having to go over again some of the same things we did with Samuel and go to the same doctors. And and um, it, in just a year's time, it's still so fresh that um, there there is some concern. You know, it's it's not as easy-flowing happiness. As and, and how do you guys take care of yourselves? And so that you can be there for the kids. I pray a lot that I have the strength. And that was Polly, the wonderful angel that was sent to me. She gave me so much encouragement at the time that they were losing Jake that, um, you know, I, I, I am grateful for life now more so than I was before. I mean, I, I've always been grateful for the wonderful things that I've had. But um, having Jake touched our life like he has, um, I pray that my kids get through it because it's very, very hard on them. I, I never had anything like this before. So you need the strength of faith and family and friends. Yeah, to get and make this. sure it is hard for them. But also I think the point being that you need to take care of yourself too, don't you think, Polly? Definitely. And, and you need to take care of yourself so you can take care of them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes grandparents forget that because, you know, we're parents and they're our children no matter that they're adults. We still want to help them and take care of them. That's just the way parents are. And um, sometimes in that mix, you do have a tendency to forget about yourself. And as I talked to Jenny today, I found that happening, oh, probably about six or seven months after Samuel died. And I realized that I hadn't been able to do my grieving, that I needed to do my own grieving. So as a grandparent, you need to take a time. You need to carve out that time for just you to have your time to grieve for that grandchild. And that also happened to me. I think I was being so strong for Todd and Nikkel while they were going through that loss and never experiencing anything like this. I read a lot of literature from compassionate friends or just books about bereavement. So it was probably about six months after Jake passed away that it really hit me. And, you know, my grieving took a toll, you know, it, it, uh, it affected my health some because I was trying to be so strong for them. Absolutely. You've lost yeah. a grandchild, but you've also seen the pain that your children are going through, and you want to fix it, and you can't. Right. Well, listen, thank you so much for calling in on the show. Your comments, I'm sure, are going to be very helpful for our audience. And uh, take care of yourself on this uh, anniversary because we all know anniversary dates are very difficult. Well, thank you so much. And thank have, you. Have a good day. Thanks thank for you. In. Bye-bye. Wow, those anniversary days are really tough. And yeah. and I did not realize when I called her at first that today was their first anniversary. Kind of no mistakes, though, right? You're able to call in and help. I think we might have another caller now. Yes. And who have we got on? Uh, this is Gail. And Hi, Gail. Mike is also here. Oh, great. Thanks for calling into the show. You're welcome. This is Samuel's other grandparents. Oh, great, yeah. Well, we're very sorry to hear about the death of Samuel. Thank you. And uh, uh, very sorry. And and how are you doing as a grandparent? Coping. Uh-huh. That's about the best word I can come up with. Mm-hmm. And uh, how long has it been? Fourteen months. Fourteen months. So you've been through an anniversary. That's tough, right? Yes. We had to go through a first for everything is what I call it. Uh-huh. And have you got any thoughts for our guests, out, for our audience out there about how you've been taking care of yourself if they're newly bereaved with a grandparent, I mean a grandchild? Um, well, luckily I have another grandchild that brings me lots of uh, smiles and 
uh, that helps a lot. But I guess you just uh, wake up every day and realize that he's not in pain and he's loved. Mm-hmm. And he is still a part of our life. Mm-hmm. And and supporting your daughter is tough, huh? Yes. I, I can't really talk to her about Samuel. Mm-hmm. We haven't reached that stage yet. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes a while, doesn't it? Uh, it, it <clears throat> we're not able to initiate the conversation. It has to be initiated by our daughter. Mm-hmm. And so you're waiting. I think it's very tough for men and grandpas. We talk a little bit about it on the show. Do you think it's a little more difficult for men? I, I don't think so. I I still think about them, and uh, I still love them. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, for sure. I feel like I'm coping. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, thank you both for calling in. We really appreciate it. And it uh, sounds like you've got a wonderfully uh, strong family and support group there. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Take Have care. a great day. Thank you. Thank you. I was just going to say that I am, I am, my heart really goes out to the grandparents today because I really hear their pain and feel their pain, and and I'm feeling that every day just coping and getting through the day is what they're dealing with right now. And I, it just brings me back to when my brother died and, how much pain your father was in, Grandpa Cole. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it. And he just kept saying over and over, why couldn't it have been me instead of my grandson? I am not supposed to outlive my grandchildren. And I'll, I just remember that that moment. It was very, you know, in my memory. And I just, my heart really goes out to the grandparents. Yeah, and I remember my mother saying to me, I just have to think of him being off on some kind of a journey because I just can't deal with the fact and with his uh, uh, cousin she said I can't deal with the fact that they're both dead and I because I, she didn't live by us so she said I just have to think about him being off on a trip so and and this isn't just grandparents you know nowadays um, people are living longer when Lauren died she had four grandparents uh, uh, three you know great grandparents and wow. even Samuel had four grandparents three great-grandparents, and one wow. great-great-grandparent. You've got amazing genes. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever the reason is, you know, it's not just, it doesn't just stop with the grandparents. You're right. And, um, you know, the population, baby booming boomer population, which we are now, ranging age between 43 and 61, you know, there's something like 78 million of us now. Well, well, Polly, and I think that was the ironic thing for us, my grandfather had been very sick and had strokes and was, what, 80 or something? And my brother was in the prime of his life, extremely healthy and 17. Right. So, which made it, I think, even harder for my grandfather to justify how this could have happened. Sure. Yeah. Very, uh, quite a family system we have, and you're right. It impacts so many people. And I think we have your husband on Mac, right? Do we Hello, have you on yes, Mac? I'm here. Hi. Can you talk into the phone a little bit more and talk louder? Okay. Oh, great. That's better. Well, Matt, um, it's so great to have you call in. And I wondered, I wanted to ask you what your view was of, of Samuel's death. And compared with having um, your daughter killed, did you see a difference in in the way you dealt with it as opposed to other people who hadn't had this kind of a loss? Or do you think it's a, kind of the same for all grandparents? Or what's your take on it? I can't speak to other grandparents. And the circumstances were so different between the two. 
with our daughter's death being an accident that was truly out of the blue and with our grandson's death being something that uh, was um, anticipated or at least a, a possibility there toward the end. So we had a, a little time to prepare for it. But uh, I think the, the the biggest difference for me was I felt very much on my own with uh, with with our daughter's death because Polly and I were were in our own little worlds in the hospital in the intensive care unit. And when our grandson died, we felt a responsibility, I think, to step up, having walked down that path before, and to try to shepherd our, our son and our daughter-in-law and all the other relatives through something we had already lived lived once, which was um, actually a role that, while you don't enjoy it, you're grateful for the opportunity to provide that kind of support. Yeah, that's wonderful because... Um you know, having been involved with compassionate friends and and being around and uh, with Polly and people telling their stories, you do have an opportunity to process it. And I think sometimes you can tell when people have been through a loss because they can really be there for you in in quite unusual ways. It's I think it's wonderful too. Um, but at the same time, it's a big responsibility yeah. when you're going through your own loss and helping others go through the loss as well. So I was just also wondering if the death of of Samuel brought up feelings and thoughts about the death of Lauren. Oh, absolutely. Um, the irony is uh, Samuel died in the same hospital where uh, where Lauren died, mm-hmm. uh, a different unit within the hospital. But we were walking the same sidewalks, looking out the window and seeing the same uh, restaurant across the street, mm-hmm. and. Uh, even though it had been some 16 years before, uh, it, it was um, it, it was eerie in one sense. Mm-hmm. But you know, you get in the middle of a crisis like that, and a lot of that stuff just really recedes into the background, and you're you're focused very much on the the here and now and the needs of the people that are around you. I, I wanted to ask you too, Matt, about your relationship with your son, with Daryl, and also with Paul. Uh, how did you interact with them around this? Because, you know, Heidi and I are always interested in men and grief and depression and whether men talk about it or not. Well, we we absolutely did talk about it uh, on, a, on a regular basis, and it was easier for me to bring it up to the surface because I could, I could say to, to Daryl, uh, well, you know, remember when this happened with your sister, here's what came next, and mm-hmm. here's how we dealt with it then, and here are some things, gosh, we wish we had known then that we know now. And You might want to consider this. And, and so mm-hmm. when it was something as mundane as we need to go make some funeral arrangements, um, I felt like having been down that trail before, I could stand there and, and, and be a support for him, and he didn't feel it as alone as I felt 16 years before. Mm-hmm. That's so wonderful that you were so candid and open and gave him what you didn't, what you didn't get. Yeah, um, and Polly, what's your thought on that about um, your daughter-in-law and your, and your sons, and how about Paul? Well, that's, that's exactly true. Uh, you know, Mac was such he, he you give him a job, he has something to do, and that's the way he copes best. Mm-hmm. And he just stepped right up to that. And um, I, I do remember just how grateful our son is and was um, that his dad was with him, that was walking that, that time with him. 
um, because uh, Diane was merging C-section. She was in the hospital, and um, she wasn't able to do these things. Recovering from major surgery. Exactly, and Mm -hmm. so it was left to our son, and Mac being with him, and like he said, having already, you know, done this before, um, you know, he knew exactly what he needed to do. He knew exactly where he needed to be. And um, he, he filled that, that uh, space perfectly. And, and, and the only thing I would add to that is I was very careful not to try to take over the situation because it was, it was my son's family. It was uh-huh. my son's decision. It was something he was going to have to process and, and work through. And I didn't want him to feel like he had just been a passive, passive observer as this was all unfolding, but that he had, in fact, stepped up in a mature way as a father and as a husband. Now, what about our folks out there who don't have this kind of thing and, and are feeling deserted and alone, and, and especially guys? Do you have any suggestions for them, uh, Mac, for men who are, are struggling? Well, the first thing is uh, to reach out to your best friend. Everybody has a best friend they can count on. I had I had several, and one of the best things they did for me during a particularly intense period was to say, Hey, Mac, let's take a break. Let's walk across the street, get a lunch. Let's sit out on the patio and just take ourselves out of this uh, intensive care environment and it, it was badly needed, and I've always looked for the opportunity to help a friend or a son, again, get away uh, just to catch their breath. I wanted to ask Polly, that she was saying there's some, some questions that get asked of mothers and grandmothers that are really difficult, and she wanted to uh, kind of cover those. Can you give us some of those ideas, Polly? Right. Well, one of the first ones that I heard, uh, and, and it just stopped me cold in my tracks, just like it did the first time when someone asked me how many children I had after Lauren died, Someone asked me how many grandchildren I had, mm. and um, I was just, you know, stunned for a second, and then I said, I have two, mm-hmm. and um, it was just like answering the question about how many children I have, I, w- I say three. Now, if they want to know a little more, I'll tell them, but if that's, you know, it and they're going on to another subject, that's fine, but um, I-, I was surprised at the fact that how similar that was that you know, I was going to encounter that. That was that was something I was going to begin encountering, just like how many children do you have? Mm-hmm. Now I'm encountering how many grandchildren you have. And um, it, it, it's uh, some of those same questions or, or how old they are, um, you know, some of those things. I, I, I like it. They always say, uh, oh, no girls, right, for you. And for me they say, oh, you have a, uh, all girls, no boys. Right. Or they'll sit there and say, oh, well, you had them far apart because our sons are almost seven years apart. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that isn't the case when you, you know, factor in Lauren in there. Right. So um, those those are some of the, the questions that are that are asked. And um, I, I was just really surprised at how similar mm-hmm. um, it can be. How about for you, Mac? What do you do when people ask you? The first thing is I should really thank my wife for making me more comfortable answering as directly as I now do. When somebody asks how many children I have, it's three. And if they ask, oh, really, well, how old are they? And I'll say, oh, I have a son who's 28, a son who's uh, 22, and I have memories of a daughter who, if she were still alive, would be uh, 
26. Mm, I oh, love that answer. That's a really good and, answer. And sometimes yeah. they'll ask, oh, really, I'm so sorry, what happened? And I'll tell them. Sometimes they'll they'll be very uncomfortable, and there's a pregnant pause, and mm-hmm. I'll simply say, yeah, she died in, a, in an accident uh, at, at age nine, and uh, it's something that uh, we enjoy the opportunity talking about. Thank you for asking. Wow. And yeah, I like that. Do the same with with grandson now. So when when uh, somebody asks how many grandchildren you have, we'll tell them well, we're expecting our third uh, this August. Same kind of answer. Uh, one boy uh, who's three memories of a second who uh, who died shortly after birth, and now we're expecting a granddaughter come August. Mm-hmm. That's really great. Mm-hmm. So, so Heidi, how about the sibling uh, factors for them? Have you got any thoughts on uh, the other siblings, how they've dealt with it? The um, loss I, of a grandchild? A, a, a nephew, right? Wait, no what? Uh, their son has lost a, uh, a nephew, right, Polly? Right, Paul, yes. Yeah. Um, and it, it is interesting. He, uh, on his on his Facebook or whatever he has, you know, these college students have, mm-hmm. he has Samuel James Moore, his birth date and his death date. And that's it. And, and so when you go on to his his page, that's one of the things you'll see. Um, you know, he he is remembering him and memorializing him without being just you know in your face about it. Um, and, and I always thought that was very neat. Quietly. Yeah, that's wonderful that he's doing that. But, and and um, again, credit goes to Polly for being so open about this. Our sons have a very close relationship. And it's just not anything we've ever tried to sweep under the rug or act like we were uncomfortable discussing, and I think that's mm-hmm. rubbed off on them. So you've never never made it taboo to discuss openly Lauren and her memories and her death? Oh, my goodness. We, uh, we, we've looked for excuses to, uh, to discuss. We, we relish those family times when one of the boys would come up with a, with a story about Lauren that we didn't know, that we didn't realize. Or, um, like our oldest son said, do you remember the time Lauren had gum in her hair? And I said, yes. And he says, I put it in there. (laughs) (laughs) And I I did not know that. So, uh, you know, it's it's those times. Well, and it's obvious that you were so open because, I mean, otherwise Paul would not have slept in his sister's bed or brought her pillow to college with him. Yeah, and then carrying on doing this with Samuel because if he hadn't dealt with that, he wouldn't Mm -hmm. be dealing with this. Right. I, I hope that's the, the case. You know, it's still not easy, um, but but I think some of these things that they do, it helps them, and, and, and that's what's important. Now, how are you guys going to keep um, Samuel's memory alive for the other grandkids and the other kids that they'll probably go on to have, or, you know, just in the family? Have you got any thoughts about it? Well, uh, our, our three-year-old grandson, who was two at the time of his brother's death, knows about Samuel. They talk mm-hmm. about him. He knew he was going to have a baby. He knew there was a baby coming. Mm-hmm. And now he calls him Angel Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in fact, the story, uh, we, of course, we just passed the first anniversary of his birth and death. And our son told us the day of Samuel's birthday, he and Jackson, our, our grandson, were sitting at the table at breakfast. And um, our son said, Today is Samuel's birthday, and Jackson says, I want to sing happy birthday to him. Uh, and so they sang happy birthday, and I asked our son, how did you do it? He said, it was hard, but we did it. 
Well, one thing I want to say before uh, we end the show, Pauline and Mac, is uh, I want to say, what for, what about our audience now who's just newly bereaved and they're struggling as a couple? How have you guys gotten to where you are? We've gotten to where we are by being very open about it, by celebrating the memories of our daughter and our grandson, by acknowledging their lives and by talking about them every chance we get with with friends and, and with family and doing it in a very unselfconscious sort of way. And maybe some of our folks out there who are struggling might want to try to get to a Compassionate Friends National Conference or a Compassionate Friends meeting or some kind of group where they can get together and talk. Exactly, and being with other bereaved grandparents, that helps so much. And also, we've let each other grieve the, our own way, right. and you've got to be open to that. And, and uh, Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. today. It's been great, and uh, we really appreciate it, don't we, Heidi? Yes, it's been a great show. It's been wonderful. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.